Good afternoon, everybody. It's great to be with you again. And um, we're working through this journey uh, in the second letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians. And we're jumping onto a subject this afternoon, which we, we really very rarely speak to speak about at Christchurch. And, and if you're joining us, maybe if you're just dropping in on this afternoon's broadcast or catching up on a video, I suppose it's a really, um, it's a really challenging, difficult subject to talk about. Uh, the idea of talking about money or possessions. Uh, certainly not what we planned to talk about during lockdown, but it's here, it's in this, it's in this letter. Uh, and in another way, it might be incredibly relevant for us to think about it this afternoon because it is something uh, that is on a lot of our minds. I think one of the things to remind ourselves is that Jesus spoke about money time and time again he recognized not not so much that money is um, an important subject but rather that money itself or possessions they're like a they're like a window into our hearts a window into our motives and our attitudes i don't know whether you've ever seen the set the film cabaret but the the character sally bowles who originally played by liza minnelli sings the song money makes the world go round you've probably heard it at a very deep level that is incredibly true that uh, money which is described as a medium of exchange it, it's a way of exchanging possessions uh, for other possessions we, we used to barter we used to swap a sheep for a box of wheat uh, we don't do that anymore. We we use money as the means to represent what we own to get other things that we need. And as Paul's writing various letters to the churches, he continues on that same idea of helping the churches think about their attitude towards money. Uh, he wrote to a, a letter uh, to Timothy. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, he says this, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And I guess we can see that in, in all sorts of ways uh, in the world that we live in, that, that when there is an overriding, overwhelming love for possessions or for money, and, you know, in a real way, money only represents possessions, it can do all sorts of terrible things to us. He carries on writing to Timothy and he says, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. He's saying you need to really understand the power that money can have over you and the threat that it is to your faith. If you're joining us and you're a believer in Jesus, you need to, we need to understand the threat that money is to our faith. They've wandered from the faith and pierced themselves from many griefs because they loved money more than their claim of loving Jesus Christ. You might also just be listening in, thinking about the implications of this Christian faith thing. And, and, and maybe for you, one of the things that you are confronting is, can I really love something outside of the possessions that I've either got 
or hope to gain, is it possible to to love something more than that? And and what are the implications for my possessions uh, if I decide to to follow this pathway of trusting and believing in Jesus? Well, Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he, he says, let's think now uh, about money. Let's read the first few verses of our reading again. Um, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 4. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial. That, that could be fairly appropriate for us today. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. Isn't that a really interesting comparison? Their overwhelming joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. He's writing to the Corinthians and he says, I want you to look over at the way the Macedonian church responded to possessions and generosity and giving and money. And I guess the first thing that he, we see here is in that first line. I want you to know about the grace that God gave the Macedonian church. Gospel-hearted giving of our possessions is only enabled by the work that God does inside of those who give. That's incredibly important for us to come to terms with. How does money, how does the gospel and how does faith in Jesus impact our money? It says that when God works in us by grace, we are enabled to give. What does that do? The first thing it does is it strips any of us from the ability to puff up ourselves, any self-aggrandisement, any self-righteousness for the fact that we might give. Neither you nor I nor anybody else has any possible capability to let go of any of our possessions truly with faith and hope without God working in us. Secondly, the flip side of that is that the resistance to God working in us is very often our, our resistance to allowing that grace of God to work in our hearts is very often the reason why we don't give. See how this works in verse five. When God worked in their hearts by grace, they exceeded their expectations. See the order here. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. They opened their hearts to God. They gave themselves, and see the word that Paul uses specifically for the idea of God, Jesus Christ, God the Father. He uses the term Lord there, and he says they gave themselves to the idea of the Lordship of God over them, and then by the will of God also to us. That's how it worked out on on the one hand, they look vertically to faith in the lordship of God in their lives. And then that resulted in their actions of generosity, overwhelming 
generosity, their giving of themselves to the Lord, opened up by the will of God, their horizontal attitudes. So if that's how it works, if, if the idea of God opening our hearts, working in us so that we're able to do that, we would say, number two, don't sit back for God to work. Don't, that sounds a strange thing don't, to say, doesn't it? If on the one hand it's God working, how do we say don't sit back and wait for God to work? Well, look at what it says in verse 6 and 7. On the basis of the way that we know God works, so we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Isn't that a really strange bringing together of ideas? Paul's saying, we know that it's God who works. We know that it's God's grace working in you that causes you to become overwhelmingly generous in your hearts. And therefore, we want Titus to encourage you to do that work. That's that other side of us not shutting our hearts off from the idea of God working in us. God's working in a powerful way so that we are opened up to him which re results in overwhelming generosity. But since you excel in everything, I think he's pointing to the attitude of the Corinthian church here. He's saying, you think that you excel in all sorts of ways, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, See that you also excel in this grace of giving. I, I actually think in that earlier section of that sentence, Paul's saying, you have this belief in yourselves that you excel in all sorts of ways. But, but the litmus test of that excelling, the, the real test of whether that is truly an excelling of God working in your hearts comes down to this, whether you excel in the grace of giving. Because actually that is, as Jesus pointed out time and time again, it's our attitude to money, it's our attitude to giving that becomes the point at which we understand in our hearts, in our own hearts, am I really opening up to the work of God in me, so that I will give overwhelmingly and generously. The Macedonians in extreme poverty were richly generous. And the issue is whether we want in our hearts to be that, or whether we would prefer to resist that particular grace working in us. That's a test for us, isn't it? It's certainly a test for me. Yeah, I want to. I want faith to grow in me. I want to grow in the way that I speak with faith. I want to grow in knowledge. I want to grow in completeness and in love. Ah, but alongside that, there is also that grace of giving. And that grace of giving sits alongside all of those other things. 
the Macedonian church, they got that. So that even though they were in extreme poverty, even though they were really, really up against it, they were generous. They were overwhelmingly generous. In this case, it's for the collection for the church in Jerusalem. But let's have a look at the motivation that is driving that. Look at verse 8 and 9, where Paul says this. This is really important. I am not commanding you. I am not commanding you. I want this to be a spontaneous, faith-filled movement of your heart. But I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Look at how he relates the gospel to their giving. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. It's that little section in verse 8 and 9 that connects our generosity and our giving directly to the work of the gospel. Money makes the world go round. The, re the reality is, in exactly the same way, because it is a means of possession exchange, money, in a real sense, makes the gospel go round. It really does. Did, did Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, when Paul writes to the Corinthian church, did Jesus Christ make them rich? Yes and no. He didn't make them rich materially at all. In fact, when he spent time on this earth, who did he make rich? He enriched a couple who had just got married with some extra wine. He gave some bread and fish. But apart from those small gestures, there is no financial gain for people who know Jesus Christ. And yet there is an overwhelming richness that becomes though for those who trust in him by him leaving his richness in heaven and coming to this earth, making himself poor so that we might become spiritually rich. And so we see in that little section, Paul is saying that giving overwhelming generosity is in two directions. Yes, it's in that it's in that sense of giving for, for charitable support and care, but it's also giving for the sake of the gospel, for the sharing of the gospel. It is that as well. The gospel progresses through that means because the whole of our way of being progresses through the exchange of possession. Nothing happens without that. We don't have the church in escape. We don't have the ability to have people who are set aside and are so thankful for those who've been set aside to work in the church, to support us, to nourish us, to care for us. That is because of generosity and giving. Paul moves on to the Corinthian church and he says, OK, that's the foundation. It's because Jesus Christ 
let go of his riches became poor so that you might become rich. I want you to have exactly that same attitude. I want you to use your physical riches so that others might become spiritually rich. And he goes on and he says, I want you to think carefully about who the, how you do this. How does it work out? The first thing I would say is to make sure that that giving heart, the impact of the gospel in your hearts is a constant flame, not a blaze that burns out. Look at verse 10 and 11. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also have the desire to do so. They were way ahead. They were pushing last year. They were really going for it last year. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? We can so easily fall into the trap of being so excited about the beginning, being so committed at the beginning, so concerned that we see this and that happen. But gospel work is not a sprint. Gospel work is a long, steady, consistent marathon run. It's just going and going and going and keeping on going continually. And Paul says, don't allow what you start to be a blaze that burns out. Make it a constant flame. Then he says to them, I want you to capture the giving mindset. Look at verse 12. For if the willingness is there, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has not according to what one does not have. What he's, what's he saying there? He's saying, I want to make sure that when we're talking about this idea of giving, about this generous releasing of possessions, I want you to understand that that giving has to be done from a willing heart. I think that willingness, that the, the root of coming to terms with that willingness is understanding that what we have, that personal wealth, is, is not ours. <laughs> Nothing is ours. We've been given it for a time by God. All of the events in our lives that have created certain outcomes, that's God's grace upon us. He's put us into that situation. And we are called to be stewards of what he has given us to take care of. I think it's rooted in that realization that this is not mine, it's his. It's mine to take care of. It's mine to be wise with. It's mine to be careful with. The third thing I want to say is giving is not a mechanism to create more personal wealth. Man, that idea is all over the place in what is claimed to be 
Christian faith. The idea that if we sow seeds, the reason that we sow seeds is so that we get a much greater harvest. It's almost like a it's almost like a fail-safe investment in the economy of God that we'll get more and more if we give more and more. That isn't the case. That's certainly not what Paul sees here. Look at how it works out in verse 13 to 14. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed. He's saying, look, at, we're not asking you to, to become poverty-stricken yourselves. What we're looking for is that there might be equality. That doesn't sound like the economy that is proclaimed so often, this idea that we get more and more back for these seeds that we plant. He's saying, I want, I want you to know that there should be an equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need. So that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. How can we, how can we reconcile what Paul is saying there with all of the other passages in the Bible which talk about riches for the, for the ideas of seeds that we plant? I'll tell you this. Everything that we have at this moment in time, no matter how wealthy you think you are, is, is like pocket change compared to the riches that we will enjoy with the inheritance as sons and daughters of God. The eternal liberal generosity of God will make all of the present pale into complete insignificance. It will become nothing in a moment and we will become richer than we ever imagined because we will be present with God. So maybe we move a little bit into shaping up our possessions in the light of this gospel. At the heart of this, Paul wants the Corinthians to see that the impact of the gospel changes the way they view their prosperity. In fact, the impact of the gospel should be a change in the way they view their priority, their possessions. And if it doesn't, they need to go back and ask whether the gospel is truly impacting them. It shapes how we consider it today. What we have as a temporary situation right at the moment with all of the questions about what the economy might bring for the future and the, the uncertainty and all of that real concern. I think that's it's probably on the journey towards maybe what the Macedonian church were feeling, but in the middle of that, they were overwhelmingly generous. John Piper puts it like this, that we're called to be stewards of what we have been given so that we might not be in need and so that our excess might give the opportunity for relieving the spiritual and physical suffering of others. I think that's a great way of thinking about it. If we believe, if we understand, if we consider that, yes, money makes the world go round, money makes the gospel go round, not because 
the gospel relies on money, but because we need to be giving of possessions so that we are showing that we do not hold on to those things more than we hold on to Jesus Christ, and that they are the very enablers for the relieving of suffering, both spiritual and physical, of others. It is a gospel work. And so I guess as we look at this, as we consider what does this mean for us today, the most difficult of subjects to talk about over a camera, not knowing who's listening. I guess one of the things that I would say is our heart for the gospel is evident by the way that we consider and our attitudes towards the possessions that God has granted us custodianship over. And secondly, if you're looking at this Christian faith, do not believe that idea that the gospel is some holy slot machine where if you put enough in, you'll get a lot more out. Not in physical possessions. But faith in Jesus Christ will give you more riches than you will ever understand. You will be spiritually satisfied in a way that we never thought possible. Our hope will be there in the face of the most fearful of things. Thank you for coming back with us. It's great to be joined by uh, Paul and Ant. Hi Ant, this is your first time to join us on chat. It's great Hi. to have you with us. It's good to be um, here. We've heard Hi, lots of you in song, but... <laughs> yeah, it's a bit unnerving not having a guitar in front of me. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> Good, good stuff. Paul, thanks for that this afternoon. That is not an easy uh, topic to, uh, to talk about. In all honesty, it's not an easy topic to listen to either. <laughs> kind of oh, no. makes you a little bit uncomfortable. And But that's, that's okay. And we want God's word to speak to us in that kind of way, don't we? And we want to mm. be made uncomfortable and challenged about mm. uh, some of our preconceptions. Mm. Mm -hmm. You, the way you split up uh, giving today was really was really interesting. So you talked about gospel giving and kind of charitable giving as things that were maybe not the same. Do you want to unpack that a little bit more for us? Are they the same? Are they? What do you think about that? If it sounded like they were saying uh, they were different, that's because I didn't explain it very well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, I Sorry. Think any I think anybody I think anybody in the world can give charitably and that's a great thing. It's a really great okay. thing. Um I think gospel giving is um driven by our motive driven by where our heart is and therefore gospel giving can be both the relieving of physical and spiritual suffering. So so if our desire is that people are helped physically because of real challenge at the moment or whatever situation that they are in and our desire and heart uh, or the motivation that drives us to that is because as paul says in corinthians because of the overwhelming uh, generosity of god to us then then that's gospel giving equally gospel giving is when we're saying do you know what the most important thing that we all need more than food and drink is to know Jesus Christ and therefore 
for me to give to works that make sure that the church continues. That is gospel giving. Um, I think one of the things that we can easily, in fact, one of the things that is most dangerous for the church is when we we drift into thinking that our only giving is the relieving of physical suffering. Uh, and there's a huge societal pressure for that, and I can understand that. But but our, Christ, our mindset is that ultimate richness is knowing Jesus. So that actually has to be our drive as well. At least as much, probably more. <laughs> So, so if, if we are relieving physical suffering all around us and doing nothing to relieve spiritual suffering, we are not doing the work of the church. That would be my, my take on that, I think. Yeah, That's really helpful to hear you explain, just unpack that a little bit further. Um, mm. Good. And how, how, how I mean... We don't want to really particularly discuss our, our personal giving today, but how do you how do you cope with that? With the um, sometimes the guilt of giving, and you know, like that feeling like you should give, and then or sometimes feeling like your giving will solve the problems of the world. How do you how do you wrestle with that in your own head, and how do you come to terms with that as part of your faith? Well, I can tell you the way I probably quite commonly do it is to ignore it is to think someone else will be thinking about that and doing about that or to um distract myself in other ways um so i put it to one side and i i sit here honestly quite challenged um from the bible that we've, we've read today and and how we uh yeah how we view our own possessions and, and what we what we do with those um, and it's, I think it's very easy to switch off to the needs, um, not, not intentionally even sometimes, you know, okay. but, uh, um, when we have that spirit of generosity, because we can't help but be moved by sometimes some of the things we see and, and, and the appeals we have, I think that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing sometimes to feel slightly uncomfortable. I, I, I think in honesty, it's, it's good to feel uncomfortable sometimes. Mm. Yeah. What, so we it, giving is such a kind of complex thing. We we often hear a little bit about um like compassion fatigue um and things like that. And I think because we have uh, such televised uh, big appeals for giving and things like that, we've kind of almost got used to that a little bit. You mentioned that a little bit and that we just kind of get distracted by it and you know just kind of switch switch off to it how do we in our gospel giving remain switched on to those needs how how would you decide you know where to give to sometimes it feels like there's so many opportunities to give how do you pick one mm. how do you know your money's going to the right place do you know like oh it's being a steward of that is really tricky it's, it's difficult do you get any yeah. kind of advice or um helpful pointers i think we can have sorry paul if i jump in there I, I think the one one great comfort we can have is in just as we are stewards of these possessions rather than owners um we're also not totally in control of the results uh, either you know 
Um, and God, God, God uses what we do in ways that we don't always even see. Um, and we won't necessarily always understand. Um, but with him in control, we can have a, a, a great deal of confidence that we don't have to do all the, the, the diligence on should I give to this? Should I give to that? I mean, I remember a lot of times you'd see a homeless person or someone selling a big issue. And in the back of mind, there's this argument, oh, should I, do I give them some money? Because oh, they mm -hmm. might go and spend it on drugs or, or you know, th those kind of conversations are out there. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes the day, we, we don't have to be too clinical sometimes. We, we, can, uh, we can just respond in compassion uh, as, as it moves us there and then. You know, Jesus sees things and responds out of compassion. Um, he weeps, he heals, you know, sometimes just responding to the situation as we feel called to do isn't, isn't a, isn't a step back in our responsibility, I would mm -hmm. say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And responses of the heart were really something you were trying to bring home, I think, today, Paul, is that right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think that's a great example that, that we, we need to respond with. We, we, we easily fall into the, the kind of analytical, don't we? actually our hearts especially with money be, yeah especially with money because we we tick off what's it going to do for me um compared to what it would do for others um so i think that you know heartfelt response is a really great way of looking at it i think the other thing that we need to be really aware of and um, jesus said the poor will always be with you and and one of the things that we see with jesus is he is overwhelmingly generous to the poor so he's not saying that in any sort of dis, dispassionate way, but he's saying that there is a danger that the overwhelming nature of need in the world can distract you from the need for spiritual well-being. It's very easy that that becomes overwhelming and all of your resources is diverted to try to resolve that problem and that you never resolve the spiritual issue. Uh, and I think one of the things that we would say is, I, I would say if you are part of a church, if you consider a, the church that you are part of to be your representation of the church of Jesus Christ in the world, then the way in which you are concerned about that spiritual ministry primarily, not necessarily only, but primarily, is through your concern for your local spiritual well-being. Um, th proclaimed through the church that you're part of. I think that, that that's the way it seems to me that we work it out. Um, that's what it means to belong. That's what it means to be a part of, to be a part of this body. Now, I am a, I am a member of the body of Jesus Christ, um, both worldwide and um, eternally <laughs> i am part of that but at the end of the day i'm part uh, i represent that by being part of christ church uh, and so the way in which i primarily express my spiritual concern is by sharing my possessions being generous with my possessions in that context you know that that's that's a really tough thing to say um but it's it's really important that we see that that's how it works out, I think, uh, from a church point of view. It's how we represent it in our local context that's critical. So, so you know, that being, in, being, being able to be in Christchurch, people often ask uh, in, in, in escape, how, how can you do that? 
The only way they do, we do that is because of the overwhelming generosity of people in the church. That is the only way. There's no big organization outside that keeps us going. It's the overwhelming generosity, and that's the litmus test for how concerned we are for this work. And also that we don't burn brightly and then go out that actually we need to be that constant flame that Paul describes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I find that really uh, a really helpful analogy, actually, because often we respond gushingly in that in the moment. And do you know, I, I don't think that's a bad, in one sense, it's not a bad thing, but it's yeah. making that sustainable when um, yeah. it's something that can, ing- a light that can endure. Um, yes. And it's not just a, a pop and then, yeah, and then it and then it's gone. Did you? How do you find that? And when you're thinking about the local church and giving and and things like that, and um, that being your expression of uh, God's church on earth, mm-hmm. belonging to Christ Church. Um. Yeah, I think there's 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 a great encouragement from. We are one body with many parts, and and much as I would like to be able to have uh, some of the pastoral care conversations that you guys have or be the the evangelist in that situation or uh, be around to help in a particular way we we can't all be everywhere but it is encouraging and it's great to be able to support that through the bits that i can do you know so by by giving on a regular basis we we support uh, the work of the whole body doing its various different functions and um as you alluded to paul the idea of belonging it, it's, it's just a, another part another part of that so that's encouraging um and but i just going back to the point you said about the the, the fire burning and going out i can really resonate with that um both on a sort of a big level you know the the heady days of coming to faith and being enthused and and then the regularity setting in and, and perhaps having some of those thoughts pushed to the back of the mind. But also on a, on a sort of smaller scale, week to week on a Sunday, you know, we can, mm. we can be challenged by what we hear. and We can sing and we can, you know, even though we're doing it virtually, we can still be really enthused by all of that. I'm going to be praying to make sure that those things stay mm. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, mm. Thursday as yeah. well. You know, because yeah. it's steps, small steps every time, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I, I'm really, there There have been many times at Christchurch where I have been really encouraged by the sacrificial nature of uh, what people give. And I don't just mean financially. People give of their time as well, which is costly. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I wonder if, I don't know how you weigh up time over money, but there are I, I just I, I want to mention that because if people are struggling in their finances just now and are feeling that as a heavy burden, we wouldn't want to put you know we wouldn't want to put that burden on people at all. But there are there are other ways to give of our possessions to support the spiritual ministry of church, uh, other 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 than just uh, money and, and time is one that that spring, springs to mind. Or um, yeah, I don't know if you guys can think of uh, some other ones, but. Yeah. Yeah. In lots of ways. We, we, we have abundant resources. We have considerable riches. Um, and we're so thankful for that. 
and we yes. can use it in all sorts of ways and it's it's overwhelming the way that that is used and i think the body analogy is really important you said there aunt that you wish that you could be that pastoral <laughs> uh, input or that evangelistic moment I, I think the body says that if you are supporting that work you you are you are that i think for all of us in the church you know that the nature of the body says that some parts of the body do certain things, but the whole of the body enjoys the success of that moment as, as all of the body endures the challenge of other moments. That's the oneness that Paul is driving at, I think. Um, and I think that, that ongoing, you know, those, those heartfelt moments of giving spontaneously, the danger with that is that, is that, they can often be very self-satisfying because it's, it's a moment where I feel good about what I've just done, but but nobody knows really the the humdrum month to month mm-hmm. giving of time and resource and money and all of that kind of thing. That's the humdrum, which isn't seen, which actually reveals our heart more than the spontaneous moment. interesting stuff guys um we could uh talk about this uh all night i'm i'm sure um and i really want to thank you for your insight and wisdom and and uh and thank you for your honesty as well especially with this kind of uh difficult conversation let me reiterate again that if you are finding this uh, a a difficult thing to get your head around or um see where we're coming from on this or you'd like to talk about that further um, or maybe you'd like to talk to us about giving um, and how you might do that in a more regular place, uh, basis then please uh, do do get in touch with us and let us have a conversation with with you about that um, god bless you this week and would you just uh, close in prayer for us that'd be really helpful happy to thank you heavenly father We thank you for the tremendous riches uh, we have in Jesus. That uh, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God. Lord, we pray that that would be our inspiration, our hope and our, uh, our passion, so that we might view our possessions um, differently. Lord, please continue to challenge us and change us over the coming days and weeks. Help us to respond to your world in compassion and love and generosity. And Lord, we do thank you for this time we've been able to meet together. And we pray for our continued safety and security. And for those who we know are finding this time really difficult, we pray for them too, for all the members of our body, our congregation of many different parts and so we thank you and praise you in jesus name amen amen hope to see you next week guys take care bye-bye bye